Hi, welcome to episode four of Scots Spill the Beans. I'm Kim McAllister and today I have Scottish rugby legend Gavin Hastings. I've known Gav a long time. He's friends with my dad, who's a broadcaster. So obviously I had to ask him about that time that dad made him cry live on air. Gavin, thank you so much for inviting me to your beautiful home. There are thousands of rugby fans who would love the chance to be sitting where I am. So they wouldn't get the chance. I, <laughs> Only I'm special enjoy people. This. Thank <laughs> you so much. So rugby players have this image of being big and strong and fearless. But has anyone ever made you cry? Lots of people. Anyone in particular? Yeah, my wife. <laughs> my thinking, son, my daughter. Thinking um, more about 1994. Yeah, yeah. And someone else that is, is related to, to you, perhaps, right? <laughs> Yeah, that was, um, it's weird, you know, you, you play for your country um, over 10 seasons, you know, and uh, and yet in many respects your whole um, career is is characterised um, or identified by a one-off incident. Um, do you want me to keep on explaining? I really do, yeah. So, yeah, 1994, Scotland versus England, Murrayfield, and we hadn't had the best of seasons. I think we'd uh, drawn with Ireland earlier in the year. And um, we were playing England at, at, at Murrayfield, and uh, I didn't necessarily have my best kicking game that day, and I'd missed a few kicks. But right at the end, Gregor Townsend, current Scotland coach, dropped uh, a beautiful goal um, to put Scotland ahead with about literally a minute and a half remaining. And uh, England kicked off and um, we got the ball and, uh, um, you know, we were we were moving up the field and then all of a sudden the referee penalised um, Scotland um, for uh, um, an indiscretion. Subsequently turned out that it was, it was wrongly awarded. Um, so literally from going through all these highs and lows for the previous sort of 80 or 90 minutes, um, you know, you're, you're suddenly straight off the field of play and, you know, defeated being snatched from the jaws of victory. And your father was there with a microphone and, uh, you know, all of a sudden just the whole emotion just overcame me within I was literally in front of the cameras within 90 seconds of the of the game ending and uh, so I blubbed like a little baby oh but it, everybody in the whole country <laughs> was crying along with you I know um yeah it was it was a strange one and, and actually I got hundreds and hundreds of letters from people all over the UK and, and perhaps beyond as well and and just understanding or you know I think at that moment when they watched it they, they maybe realize what it, it meant to represent your country and whatever else it's it's not something that i i want to remember um not because your dad made me cry but uh, <laughs> it, it was more the manner of the defeat and knowing that the penalty should never have been awarded it was interesting because um the referee said that he saw a blue cuff and england jerseys that day had a blue cuff and it was the blue cuff of a friend of mine Rob Andrew who played standoff for England but notwithstanding that it should never have been a penalty because it at worst it could have been was a knock-on anyway that's technical detail 
It was a moment though, and Dad does <laughs> dine out on it, as I'm sure you're aware. And actually, my mother dines out on it too because she wrote you a letter. She, she did write me a letter and said, you know, it made me smile. I have to be honest, and uh, you know, she said uh, he makes me cry quite a lot of the time as well. So, uh, you know, we're we're in the same boat. You there. bonded over that. Yes. Um, we're speaking ahead of the Calcutta Cup on Saturday, which is frustrating. It'd be nice to speak afterwards. And obviously, your son... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Your son's in the squad and potentially playing your old position. Is that weird? No, it's not weird. I, I kind of, um, you know, last weekend, um, you know, as I saw him coming on to the field, I thought, oh, I wonder what position he's going to play. And I was sort of going through all the permutations in my head. But... You know, rugby players are pretty flexible beasts now, and uh, you know Adam, he's he's pretty comfortable um, as a ball player, and and so I think if you have a natural instinct for for the game, which which he unquestionably has, then you know he he was able to slot in, and and he's young and he's keen and he's eager, and and so the adrenaline kicks in, and I think you know as he said to me after the game. Um, you know, it, it, sometimes, you know, when you're sort of thrust into that, you don't have time to think, you don't have time to worry about it, and adrenaline obviously kicks in. So we'll see what happens. Um, How does it can. feel being dad on the touchline and not player on the field? Oh, listen, um, there's there's no comparison. And, and, you know, I've been a long, a long, long time removed from dad on the field, or not dad on the field, <laughs> player on the field, as you rightly say. Dad, I've been a dad for you know over twenty years with Adam, obviously, and um, I'm getting better. I'm getting better because you know it's not about the individual's performance really, and and you know I'm I'm always at, at pains to to emphasise that that it's about the team, and it's not about how many caps you you earn or you win or you gain. It's about your performances in the field. And it's about the team winning, and that is. M- far more important than any individual um, performance so from my point of view I just I would love to see the Scotland team win and you know that would come at the expense of, of Adam individually doing well because the team is more important and I just want to see the Scotland team win. You um, were on the field for 10 years was it you played just short um, and wow what a career you had and you were captain for I think about a third of the caps that you got were as captain. So take me back to that first time you got the captain's captaincy. Yes. Um, yeah, that was an interesting one. I think um, David Soul, our Grand Slam captain, had retired uh, the previous at the end of the previous year, and uh, I guess I was probably the forerunner to to take over um, from him. And um, you know, David's a very different character to me. He's much more quietly spoken and. He, he leads by example, but if you're at fullback, obviously where I was, you can't lead by example, you can't lead from the front. David was position number one, I was number 15 on my back, so I had to be much more vocal and much more um, cajoling in, in the way that I approached my captaincy, and that was, it suited my, I guess, personality. And uh, But I enjoyed it, you know, we, we had a game, I remember, against Canada just um, before the start of the the, the Five Nations as it was then and, and it wasn't usual that you could get a game but I think we missed the first round of the the, the Five Nations weekend so we had a, a spare weekend so we, we were able to play this game and that kind of got um, 
me used to, to captaining the side at, at Murrayfield. And then we did okay. We, we won our two home matches and we lost our two away matches to France and to, uh, and to England. But, um, you know, it got me into it. And then a few matches after that, I was lucky enough and given the great honour of captaining the British and Irish Lions in their tour to Australia, uh, Australia? New Zealand yep. um, in 1993. So that was, you know, that was an amazing you know, vote of confidence for me, not only as a player, but as a captain as well. That must have been a real challenge, bringing together rivals, not just at club level, but also at country level. How did you gel the team? Nothing to do with me. (laughs) Um, Come on, you lead from the back, apparently. Yeah, yeah. No, well, look, I mean, the Lions is a very special thing, and I think uh, any uh, player who's been lucky enough to have been in the Lions tour will just say it's very, very special. But... um, it was so long ago, I almost can't remember, but um, no, good bunch of boys, you know, it, it's always, I think, with a tour like that, we were away for probably seven weeks, um, it's a long time to be away from home, and uh, you know, you've got to make sure that, that that you're just feeling good about yourself as an individual, and, and also your, your opportunities, and your hopes, and, and expectations, so, you know, I... I just tried to be the same with everyone, tried to engage with everyone throughout the tour. And, uh, you know, it was a probably a fairly happy tour for the first few weeks. And then gradually players realised that they're not going to get into the test side. So they maybe look um, other ways for their entertainment, shall we say. And, shall and, we say. You know, and um, anyway, it, it is a challenge. It is a challenge and... and but you know we were we were pretty close to pulling off an amazing victory against the the New Zealand side that mm. uh, that hadn't really lost for for quite a while. But um, anyway, it's tough. But um, can we can move I... on from rugby, please? Yes, that was going to be my next question. Right, beautiful. Thank you. Because your timing was awful that you finished playing in '95, the exact year that the game went pro. So did you think you might eke out a few more years? Did that cross your no mind? No chance. No, could no, you not wait time... to get onto the next stage? Well, you know, funny. I mean, obviously, up until '95, the game was was strictly amateur. So we all had jobs. I was a chartered surveyor working for Richard Ellis, now CBRE, in, in both London and, and Glasgow. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed um, going to work every Monday after a Five Nations game, and, and particularly if you'd done well at the weekend, because, you know, you wouldn't do much work on the Monday. But And it was quite tough sometimes just going in there after a weekend of celebration. But... Um, in '95, I, I actually set myself up in in, in business, and and um, you know I started my own company. I just felt I'd been working closely with a number of different companies, and uh, they were all quite keen to sort of u- utilize me as an uh, as an ambassador. And uh, it seemed to me to be an obvious thing to start myself up up in business. So I did, and and um, you know we had the or I had the business for about eleven years. As subsequently sold sold my shares to an Irish guy who had been involved with uh, the Ryder Cup and one of our great projects was bringing the Ryder Cup to Scotland. So mm. there was a synergy there in, in doing that. And uh, But it, you know, just at the end of my career, uh, I focused on, you know, setting myself up in business. And then Dan and I had Adam first of all, and then Holly came along a couple of years later. So, you know, things were evolving at a quick stage, not only for me personally, but in the world of rugby. And, and suddenly... You know, you think, well, maybe I can give something back. But you realise after seven or eight years of 
being away from the game and not being involved that the game's gone professional and it is changing almost constantly you know every couple of years some new phenomenon is coming in and it, it, the guy's body shapes were changing I mean I'd never lifted weights in my life hardly and really these guys were were just big strong powerful men and um, even now you know you move on from from there and and what we're 24 or 5 years down the line and um, you know the shape of a modern day rugby player they're much leaner they're much more physically fit in terms of um, you know aerobic fitness I think than they were probably 10 or 12 years ago mm -hmm. where they were spending much more time in the gym but the game has become much faster so mm -hmm. it's it's a, in a constant evolution quite honestly and uh, so I'm glad that I retired just before the game went professional just before you had to start lifting weights in the gym exactly <laughs> you're right. and you're a keen golfer oh I love my golf where where have you played around the world that compares to Scotland would you say that's a good question I mean um Possibly nowhere, to be perfectly honest. I, I, you know, I haven't played an awful lot of the, the famed um, Irish links courses or the famed English links courses. Or, or I've played a, a bit in England, a bit in Wales, a bit less in, in Ireland. Um, I've played more in Australia and New Zealand, most wonderful golf courses over there. Starting to play a wee bit more in America where, you know, they just have extraordinary golf courses with huge history and tradition about them but um, you know everyone loves coming to Scotland to play golf and, and I'm lucky enough to to belong to um, you know a couple of um, storied golf courses I was Wait, searching for the first for the right word well Gullen is my home course and and you know um, I belong to, to Muirfield as well next door and uh, and also up in St Andrews I play. So, you know, I'm very, very lucky that, um, you know, that I'm a Lynx golfer through and through. I've, I was brought up on, on Lynx courses down at Gullen. And, uh, you know, I used to go down with a pal of mine, Alan Williams, and for the whole of the summer holidays, and we'd just play golf the whole time and get a lift down. And, you know, I love East Lothian. It's, it's named as Scotland's Golf Coast. And uh, I think East Lothian's done a tremendous job of just um, attracting golfers. But you've just got wonderful courses down there from Dunbar and North Berwick through to Gullen and Archerfield. And, and you combine it with business quite a lot? I try to, but, um, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago, there was a lot more um, corporate golf days than there are now. And you learn a lot about someone on the course and, and you what they're... Colours, well, you? you do actually, and you see whether the frustrations, whether they come out or whether they can control their temper. But I always say the only person that ever cares about the way that you play golf is yourself, right? That's and as long as... True, it, well, yeah. it is true. And, and as long as you can be sociable and, and, you know, interactive on the golf course, and I think that's very, very important. But you sometimes see people taking their golf game far too seriously. And... You know, I've never yet seen a very, very frustrated golfer win anything. No. All they do is just get more and more frustrated. <laughs> and I might count your father as amongst that group. Oh, let's not tell tales out of school here. You've certainly taken money off my husband a couple of times as oh, well. Oh, well, that's so. good. I'm interested in your kind of role as the Scotland ambassador. You love your country. I do. And, uh, you know, I think um, you learn to appreciate what Scotland has, I think, um, when you travel. And I've been lucky enough to have continue to be able to travel and Steve Irwin the wonderful Australian he had his, his zoo and he, you know he was just a real outdoors and 
people, if you know, a normal person in the street, they might think that that's what Aussies do. They might think that Scots run around the glens in our kilt and chuck spears at haggis that are running around and <laughs> bring them such home. A but it doesn't really matter what people's views are of the country as long as they are positive views. And that's the message I'm trying to get across, that everyone has positive views of Scotland, apart sometimes from Scottish people themselves. And, you know, no one comes to Scotland for the weather. They're not bothered if the weather is rubbish, right? But if the weather is good, it enhances their experience Absolutely. of the country. But we've given so much to the world in terms of, you know, world famous in, inventors. Um, you know, we've had the whiskey, we've had the golf, we've got the bagpipes, we've got the tartan, we've got the genealogy. You know, people love to come to Scotland and, and they're guaranteed a welcome that, um, you know, is I'm sure as good as, as you get anywhere in the world. And, uh, you know, I just wish that Scottish people could could just make more of the 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 the, the character that, that that people view Scotland as, and and if we just are more positive with everything, and you will find plenty of positivity in the Hastings and the Donnelly house household, I know, and the wider family, and but positive people rub off on each other, and we we like to be around positive people and. The Hastings household is a positive place. I love it when visitors come to Scotland because I get so excited. I'm like, what am I going to do first? What can I show you first? What do you like to do when people come to visit who've not been here before? Take them golfing. Of course. Yeah. But also, I like, you know, when they come to Edinburgh, I mean, I like to take them out to, you know, we've got the dog here and I like to take them up onto the Braid Hills or and, and just show them what a beautiful city it is. And it is a beautiful city and it's a beautiful country. And, and you know, I live here, spend most of my time when I'm in Scotland and Edinburgh, obviously. And uh, But, you know, I lived and worked in Glasgow, I was at College at Paisley. I, you know, I, I, I love going up to the Highlands. I mean, you know, I've got friends up in, in Inverness and I love going up there and, and further north and, and taking my sticks. And it's just beautiful up there. And the, and the borders are beautiful. and. Everywhere is, is just amazing, the Western Isles, and I just love my country. Oh. Before we finish, I'm going to do the Scots Spill the Beans quiz with you, oh, which good. fills the uh, Should the I have done some studying? You should have done some research, oh, yes. Gosh. I don't think these are going to be challenging questions for you. This is just your recommendations around Scotland for people who are going to come and visit. Excellent. So the best bar in Scotland with your friends? Canny Mans. Okay. And Morningside, Edinburgh. Best hotel in Scotland? Best hotel. I'm going to say three. Okay. Oak Course Hotel, Glen Eagles Hotel and Turnberry Hotel. Oh, Golf Course Hotels. Interesting that you should choose there them. Are. The best day trip in Scotland. Best day trip. Goodness me, if I was doing a day trip, I would just get the, the, the train up to Inverness and just through the highlands there and then just go and have a nice... Uh, a nice lunch and then come back. But the scenery going through, you know, Dunkeld and Burnham and all the way through and up the Highlands and Aviemore there, just it's fantastic. It is, it's and I love driving up the A9 there as well. So I would say that. Best beach in Scotland? Best beach? Um, I would say um, Gullen Beach is my favourite beach and it's just a wonderful beach. Many happy times there. This is a really hard question for you, the best golf course in Scotland. If I could only play one golf course for the rest of my life, it would be Gullen number one. Best TV show? Best TV show? Um, well, still game just makes me laugh the whole time. The best Scottish brand? 
Best Scottish brand? That is a very good question. You know, I, I think Tunnock's is amazing. Um, I think Walker's Shortbread is amazing. I think Tenant's Lager is an amazing brand as well. And the last one, the most magical place in Scotland. The most magical place? Well, I think you just go away up north and, and you know, you go up to a place like Dornoch or Golspie, you know, and you just feel that you're almost not quite at the end of the earth, but... Uh, it's just, it's so serene up there. It's so peaceful. The light is just amazing. Um, so, yeah, I'd say north of Scotland, anywhere north of Inverness is pretty magical. Brilliant. Gavin, thank you so much for chatting to me today. You're very welcome. It was thank a pleasure. Ah, what a legend. I think my favourite moment was when he asked me to stop asking him about rugby. Next week, I have got another sporting legend, this time in the world of golf. I am heading up to Aberdeen to speak to Paul Laurie. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and follow us on Instagram at Scott Spill the Beans. Have a good one. (laughs) 